old timers will recognize this. We stand as my wife's grandfather made this for me one time. I said, you know, I said, I need something that, when I first moved here, they had this big old wide pulpit, tall pulpit, my head kind of rolled across the top. That's all you could see. I said, I need something that I can preach from and something that I can put my foot on just to, he had an eighth grade education. He sheared sheep. He gave haircuts. He also remodeled homes. And he built me this, just for me telling me what I wanted. So anyway, I I can't wait till I get to heaven and tell him this thing's been in eight different churches. I've preached from it for over 12,000 times and it's just uh, amazing. And it's good to be back. I'm 73 now. I named my second childhood. <laughs> so uh, I'm looking forward to Candapalooza because I am in my second childhood. And my, Ruth and I keep five-year-old twins every Friday night and Saturday morning. And this last Friday, they were there and said, now, Grandpa, who are you going to dress up to be this year at Halloween? I'm like, how do you know? But... Uh, by the time Ruth and I are lunchtime on Saturday, we're both kind of, I've never been around twins before, let alone five-year-old boys. We're uh, taking the rest of the day off after that. Okay. That's what it is. But anyway, the marathons. It was uh, 29 years ago, I ran my first Chicago marathon. There were 6,600 people signed up for it. Half of it went along the Lakeshore Drive. And... Uh, it was the last Sunday of October. My third time running the Chicago Marathon, it started raining on us at mile three. By mile 10, it was sleeting on us. By mile 12, it was snowing on us. That's when they moved it to, to this weekend, the second weekend of October. But that was one of my faster marathons. I about froze to death, and I had to run fast to keep from shivering. So uh, God knew what he was doing. But anyway, it's so good to be with you. And by the way, Ruth and I now, we walk, don't run. We walk 4.1 miles every May for World Vision because the average child, human being in Africa walks 4.1 miles to get to the closest place for water and it's dirty water. So this is a great thing. I believe in World Vision and them doing their job of helping people to uh, do that. So anyway, it's, it was great. Well, one time I was, uh, I was in Illinois, central Illinois, where I pastored for 10 years and I ran a couple of pastors here a couple of weekends ago that had Illinois experience, and they were talking about the old tabernacle and everything where we'd go, and there was no air conditioning or anything, and I always had camp meeting in August, which was the worst month of the year to be in a place that had a metal roof, no air conditioning, and then they'd put fans at the top to help blow down the hot air off the metal. It was terrible, and, but they'd open up the sides, and, you'd, and that way you could sl- get under the sides too, so if it rained, you'd be out of the rain or at least be in the shade, and this, this guy was speaking one time, and I mean, he was preaching up a storm, and uh, he was just letting us have it. And uh, about this time, you could see this big fly come right by, and he slapped it and uh, kept on preaching like a storm, and then here came another fly. I mean, the fly came back, and he swiped at it again. I told my wife, says, you know, I bet you anything, that fly's going to land in his mouth. And sure enough, 10 seconds later, landed in his mouth. He's pitting and trying to get rid of it. And odd thing is, we could see the fly fly off. Didn't even kill the fly. But it kind of broke his concentration, and he finally said, wouldn't it have been great if Noah... What, he just swatted those two flies? <laughs> and I thought, yeah, that's probably right. Probably would have been great. But anyway, you know, flies, most of, flies are an inconvenience. So are mosquitoes and ticks and everything else. We, my wife and I have eight acres. God provided for us miraculously right before I retired. And, and we have a wood burner. And so we're always, I'm sawing wood. And she's helped me split it. And 
And uh, we got a splitter. She runs the machine, to, but it sounds really tough. And uh, she helps me split it. And, and uh, so we like it when it's cold. We like to do most of our woodwork in March or April before the flies and the ticks and the mosquitoes are out there. But they're an inconvenience. And, and here's what I come to find out at 73 years of age. Most of our problems are inconveniences. That's number one in your notes there. Most of our problems are inconveniences, not insurmountable barriers. And one of the people in uh, the Bible that went through this was a guy by the name of Joshua. Joshua had to follow Moses. Now, Moses did the most unspeakable thing you can think of. He went to Pharaoh and convinced Pharaoh through the ten plagues and God's help doing all that to let over two million slaves leave Egypt. And I'm on their way out, and the first thing they come to is the Red Sea. The Red Sea, they couldn't swim across. They couldn't wade across. You heard about the kid in the sixth grade, didn't you, when the teacher was making fun of him and said, you know, they talk about the Red Sea and how God divided the water. That wasn't a big deal. It was really the reed seed, and it was only six inches deep. And this little kid in the back raised his hand and said, Teacher, yeah, what's the deal? She said, that was a great miracle. Do you know that God drowned the whole Egyptian army in six inches of water? <laughs> uh, teacher didn't complain about the Bible anymore after that. But anyway, it, it's amazing to me how Moses had a crisis. He had a real difficult time coming up here. You see, the army was coming after them because Pharaoh changed his mind and said, we're going to go get them. And if they don't want to come, we'll just kill them. And the people knew that's the way Pharaoh was. Joshua, but he got them through the Red Sea and got them, got them in the, and finally a generation later, they're ready to go to the promised land. And God says, okay, Moses, it's time for you to go to heaven. I'm, I'm going to bring you home. Joshua, you're next in line. How would you like to be Joshua that had to follow Moses? Who's going to believe you? What have you done in your life, Joshua? You ever hit a rock and had the water come out? No. You ever said prayed to it? No. You ever, no. I just, you know, I just, um, I'm Joshua. I believe in God. And so in Joshua chapter 3, you might want to read that this afternoon. Here's an amazing story. The Lord says to Joshua, you're the new leader. So today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel that they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. So tell the priest to carry the Ark of the Covenant. And when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. How would you like to have been a priest? And he had to go stand in the river because it's going to tell us later. Joshua then tells the Israelites, come here and listen to the word of the Lord your God. This is how you'll know that the living God is among you. And he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Gergeshites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Now, I probably didn't pronounce those right, but they're a bunch of ites, okay? So the Ark of the Covenant, see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, each one of the, from the 12 tribes. And as soon as the priests carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, and as soon as they set their foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan was at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priest who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet went in the water, the water from upstream stopped flowing. Now, they all got across on dry land, and away they went. But here's what I want you to understand. 
Our life, most of our life, the problems we have that just perturbed me to death actually are just inconveniences. That's what I've learned in since our 73 years. They're just inconveniences. We have neighbors, Owen and Julie. Every other night we have some people that come to our house and we have fellowship and my wife feeds them and we, I have a devotional and, and there's anywhere from 12 to 15 people show up and, and one of them is our neighbors and they called us up and said, uh, by the way, we won't be there Sunday night. So why not? Well, you know, our daughter and son-in-law and kids, they got COVID. They're just getting over it. And now we both have a bad cough. I said, oh man, we'll be praying for you. I said, please do. They went and got COVID tests, find out, no, nope, they don't have COVID. It's just a cough. You got a bad cold. And that's what most things are. Most problems, it's not like COVID or cancer. It's, it's, it's more like a cold. And yet we act like it's a really big, oh, why did this happen to me type of thing? Well, it's just an inconvenience that God's going to use in your life and my life to help us learn how to grow and trust him. Here's the Israelites, though. They face the same thing. They got this obstacle in front of them. And God had promised them their very own land, and it's on the other side of the river. And he told Joshua, Joshua, you're going to be the man that takes them across because one generation ago, you and Caleb went over there, and you said, yep, with God's help, we can take this land, and the rest of them outvoted you 10 to 2. No, we can't. You were the one that had faith, you and Caleb, so you're going to lead the people. And when they did, they get to the Jordan River, it's at flood stage. Now, Moses at the Red Sea, that's a major crisis. It's either going to be, we're either going to be drowned or killed by Pharaoh's army or go back and be slaves and be whipped and all that. That Red Sea was impossible to cross. The Jordan River, that's just a, that's just a minor problem. That's an inconvenience. Joshua facing the Jordan River, that's just an inconvenience. But here's the most important sentence I'll ever say today, and I want you to look at it. It's right below number three in your notes. If we're not careful, it's the inconveniences that will do us in. Back when our church was running a little over 1,000, I'd, I'd make 20 appointments a week, and that was all I could handle. There's no way I could be a psychologist or a psychiatrist. And then my daughter gets a PhD in psychology. She can do it. But I tell you, it was just... People would come to see me. Well, you know, we've been married for seven years, and it's eight years. It just didn't work. I think we're going to get a divorce. And I had one degree in psychology, one class in psychology in college and seminary. I did have another one in counseling. But most of it was just common sense stuff, and I'd ask them a question. I'd get them talking, then I'd ask a question. When was the last time, and usually, Guys, I hate to tell you this, but usually it's the guys that are too busy doing everything else to give attention to their spouse. Let's say, when was the last time you took your wife out on a date? Oh, that's too inconvenient. We'd have to, be, we'd have to get a babysitter in it. So no, wait just a minute. You're going to get divorced? That costs you seven or $8,000 at least. Do you know a babysitter you can get? And I'd give them the price. And I said, not only that, it'll save your marriage. You want your relationship to succeed. You didn't get married to fail, did you? Well, no. Then you need to get a babysitter and take your wife out on a date once a week. I mean, simple as that. You know, the problem is people say, well, the grass grows greener on the other side. You know where the grass grows greener? Where you water and fertilize it, folks. Where you work with it. 
And if you want your marriage to work, it, you can work with it. And thank goodness my wife and I will be married 52 years this December because we worked on it. In fact, I gave a sermon series one time on it about on relationships, and one of them was you need to take your spouse on on a date once a week. If he didn't want to take you, you, you take him. But get together. Spend some time to quality time together. So one time, uh, Beak was busy. I had two funerals and a wedding, and next thing you know, man, I, I didn't get my date in. Now, to make sure I had my date, I had five men I met with before church every Sunday morning at 7.30. All five of them would ask me different questions, and if they saw me during the week, they would ask me. I remember Dick, he was going to ask me, where did you read the Bible this morning? Where you, had your, where you had your own private devotion, your own private time with God. Where did you read? Another man, his job was, where did you take your wife on a date last week? And uh, I wanted to be held accountable. And so I had five men that asked me five different questions, and that, those were two important ones, really. But one week I didn't get it done, so the next week I said, told Ruth, I said, Ruth, I got a coupon to Andy Red Hots. You ever been to Andy? You've never been to Andy Red Hots. I've been there a couple times. You know, Pastor Tim, he wanted to go to Andy Red Hots. I was not a big fan of Randy Red Hots, but hey, I got a free hot dog, I'll go. Let's go. So it was Tuesday night. We had, she said, we only got an hour, and then we got to get to our daughter's volleyball game. I said, okay, well, let's go. So we went to Andy Red Hots. We're sitting there, and this couple come over and said, uh, Pastor Dwayne and Ruth Ann, is this your date night? <laughs> said, we're on our date night, too. I thought, well, way to go. Finally, somebody listened to a sermon. They're actually one of that. See, you need to spend quality time. But it's too inconvenient. Well, you know, Pastor, I can't come to that 9 o'clock service. It's too early. Really? What time do you leave for work in the morning or during the week? 7.30. Oh, really? So you can get up 7.30 to go to work, but you can't sleep an hour and a half later on Sunday morning and just come to church and let God know how important he is to you? You know, your uh, soul's hanging in the balance here somewhere. You might want to change your priorities. Well, it's just too inconvenient. Yeah, you know. I mean, you just name it. That's why that's the most important sentence I'm going to say. If we're not careful, it's the inconveniences that will do us in. So today, I'm going to look at three ways you can benefit from life's minor problems because we all have them. We're not in heaven yet. We're on earth. We're going to have problems. And the first thing is it provides a lesson in leadership. Because the Lord said to Joshua, in Joshua chapter 3, verse 7, the very first verse I read you, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so they may know I am with you as I was with Moses. Wow. Now, at the very beginning, he says, and you're going to go across the Jordan River. He didn't tell Joshua at the beginning, and I'm going to stop the water so you can go across on dry land. He just told Joshua, you pick, get the Ark of the Covenant, and when they hit the water, you go through. They had to get their feet in the water. They had to be willing to trust God in the water that it wasn't going to flood, that it wasn't going to kill them. And guess what? Because they trusted God, God took care of it. You know, we just, Zach just led us in a song, in that second song we sang today. You know, I, I don't know how he's going to do it, but God's going to make a way. That's not the exact words. I'm too old to remember the exact words, but that's what it said. God's going to make a way. And I don't care who you are, you're a leader. You've got people watching you. These five-year-old twins that Ruthann and I watch our son's two boys every Friday night. We pick them up from school and we drop them off at mom and dad's house at 9 o'clock the next morning or else they come pick them up. 
It's so interesting. We, Ruth, Ruth and I want to do that. We have an influence on these two five-year-olds. They look up to grandma and grandpa. And before me, we always pray. We thank God for the food because there's people in the world that don't always get to eat because they don't have food. And I thank God for the food. So we'll say, which one of you want to pray? Their name's David and Jonathan. David and Jonathan are best friends in the Bible. These two guys are best friends, believe you me. One of them says, oh, I'll pray. And, and I mean, they just talk to God, which is what prayer is. Okay, God, today I want to thank you that we get to come to Grandma and Grandpa's house. And we got food to eat. And it's really good. You know how they know? They already started eating before I said, well, let's pray. We all have influence over people. You have influence over your children. You have influence over people you work with. You have people, you have influence over your neighbors. You know why Owen and Julie ask us to pray for them? We're in a group of seven people that have about 40 acres of land. I've got eight acres. There's a swamp behind my house. Yeah, that's right. I, bought, I got, have a sold swamp land. I got four acres of woods. Swampland. Yesterday, there were two swans in the swamp. God really blessed us getting that swampland. I'm telling you, we see deer and geese and everything else. And I kept home complaining one night. I said, ah, man, I said, the, the leader of our property owner association is leaving to somebody else. Nobody wants to lead this thing. And I can't believe nobody wants to lead this thing. We're new. We've only been here a year. And my wife, bless her heart, she always listens to God before I do. And she says, well, maybe God wants you to do the leadership. I said, Ruth, we're new. What do I know about property? She says, it isn't property, it's people. We're in the people business. Oh, let me pray about it, Ruth. Next morning, I said, okay. So I became property owner association. And guess what? Property owners, they have problems with the neighbors. So then I meet with the neighbors. And their neighbors, you know, we're all neighbors. And I began to say, aha. So that's what God, it took me a while. I'm a little slow, and that's why God has to be patient with me. But I eventually come around, and I realize God wants me to reach my neighbors for Jesus. And so he gets them have problems, and they get arguments over, and then I go, and I just use my common sense approach, you know. In fact, I can't tell you how many of them Ruth and I had over to our house to eat. Just to show them you can act. I mean, if you get people to eat around a table, they'll start talking. Instead of arguing, they'll talk. Next thing you know, they start seeing stuff around their house. And, oh, I'm see this. Uh, so, so you believe in God? Huh? I said, yeah, God changed my life. You probably don't want to hear about it. Oh, yeah, tell us about it. <laughs> oh, they should never ask a preacher that. <laughs> and I just tell them, you know, when I was 20, I realized that my life was going downhill, and I needed a purpose in life. I needed meaning in life, and I opened my life to Jesus. And he changed my life, and I've never been the same since. Would you, like, would you like to know how he changed my life? Yes. And then I get my pencil paper out. I get him a small diagram. said, would you like to invite Jesus into your life? And they did. And Owen and Julie invited Christ to their life. Man, am I so glad they did. He has a Kubota with a, with a front end loader and a backhoe. I've used it all. <laughs> you know why? One time they were going through a problem. And Ruth and I said, well, we're going to pray for you. And you let us know the result. And God answered prayer. One time I had a, I had a stump grinder. Not a stump grinder. I had a uh, mulching machine. 
We'd have a bunch of trees go down, and so I thought, I'm going to mulch all those. I don't need to buy mulch. I'll just rent a bunch of machines. We got a mulch. We got it mulching, and, and it was in the March, and it was frozen when I brought it in behind the house. And then as the day went on, it thought out. I got stuck behind my house with a, in my pickup truck with a mulching machine. So I called Owen up. Didn't answer. I hung up. Said, I don't know what we're going to do, Ruth. This thing's got to be back by five o'clock, and we're stuck. About that time, I heard Owen and his Kubota coming by, and he said. Man, Owen, you are an answer to prayer. I just prayed that God would send help, and here you are. Man, from then on, whenever I ask Owen for, hey, Owen, could you possibly come over? And do? Man, he's right over. He loves being an answer to prayer. Yeah, it's amazing how God, you worked that. But see, leadership. See, when you have a problem, uh, who wants to be the leader? God's providing real opportunity for you. That's why he lets problems happen in your life so you can say, God, you need to help me here because, man, I don't know what to do, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not the smartest guy on the block, but I know if, if God will just give me the answer, if God will just help lead me in the right direction, I'm going to follow. And a lot of times I ask Ruth Ann because she's, man, she's, her she's just in tune born I am. Remember Michael Jordan? I mean, I know you remember Michael Jordan, but the NBA had a, went on strike. Michael Jordan's not going to sit still, so what does he do? He goes plays baseball. White Sox signed him up, sent him to Birmingham, and he's in the minor leagues. So he's in the minor leagues. Now, listen, if he can make it in the minor leagues, I'll put him up to the major leagues, and people will come see the White Sox. The fans will be full of, the stands will be full of people, and, except he flunks the test. Goes back to basketball, wins another NBA championship. Well, guess what? The problems you and I are having are just minor league tests that God allows us to have. They're opportunities for us to grow. You see, God knows what well, man can't handle a big problem, so right now I'm going to give him a small one, and when he trusts me for that, then he'll trust me for the next one, and little by little, God helps me. I mean, I have a miracle almost every week just because I got a problem. I mean, just this week, I couldn't find my pickup keys. Remember, I'm a farm boy. I like pickups. Oh, some of you didn't know that. I grew up on a farm. That's why my name is just Plain Dwayne. I'm an ordinary fellow. I said, okay, God, you got to help me find those keys. I got an appointment to meet this family for lunch today, and I, I don't know where my keys went. So God helped me to figure out where did I go since I've had these keys in the truck an hour ago. I already lost them. See, I'm not the brightest bulb, but I know God is in control, and he's going to make a way. And so I said, God, help me figure out what it was. So I said, okay, what did I, I came out of the pickup truck, and I was, I'm ready to hang the key up where I normally hang them up. Ruth Ann said, oh, Dwayne, can you help me get something out of the... So I go to the kitchen, I help her get this 9 by 12 glass thing that I... When we built a kitchen, I said, Ruth, you never have enough storage. Just spill them all away. She can't reach it. She's five foot two. Well, five foot one by now. We're all shrinking. But anyway, <laughs> we picked it up, brought it down, I'd, and I'd put my keys by the phone where she has a whole bunch of stuff. Oh, thank you. So see, I already had a miracle just finding my truck keys. See, when you, God gives you opportunities to grow every day and to trust him for help. I don't know the way, but God knows the way. See, the inconveniences you and I are facing, that's just a minor league test. He wanted to get us ready for the big leagues. Jesus one time said, you've been faithful a few in a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Whoa. Every little inconvenience we face is a chance to grow, a chance to get a little bit stronger, a chance to trust God just a little bit more. That's why you've got problems on earth. We won't have problems in heaven, but we're on earth because God's not finished with me yet. He knows that eh, Dwayne's finally made it to the ninth grade. If I help him a little more, he may make it to the tenth grade yet. That's why I'm still alive. 
I've had 20 funerals, and all but one have been younger than me. God knows, Dwayne's a slow learner, man, but he's going to make it. Every opportunity you have gives you a chance to grow. So the first thing, it provides a, a, a lesson in leadership for you and whoever you're around. Second thing is this. These inconveniences teach us to build our faith. God wants to build my faith. He tells Joshua in chapter three, in chapter Joshua 3, verse 10, this is how you will know. Okay, he's talking, he's, God's talking to the children of Israel. This is how, and, and to Joshua, he says, this is how you will know that the living God is among you, and he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, and the Hittites, and the Hivites, and all the other people, all the other ites. Now, here's the thing. They had to trust God just to get across the river. And then they knew and they had to put their feet in the water. Remember, don't forget that. The, the ones in the front had to get their feet in the water. Had to get wet. They're going to have to dress up. These are a bunch of slaves. They don't know anything about fighting. And they're going to defeat all these people. Well, they had to put on the gear and do that. We'll do what Joshua said. And sure enough, God did help them, drove them out in front of them. And not only that, they finally come to Jericho. And you can see that's the last major battle. And you can see how far the people came. Because Joshua's okay. This is going to be a little different. You're going to march around that city once for... For six days and seven days, you're going to go around it seven times. Guess what? We're going to have trumpets playing too. I thought, okay, Josh, God, Joshua's been in the sun too long. That doesn't even make sense. No, they didn't say that. No, okay, if that's what Joshua's going to do, that's what we're going to do. See, their faith had grown by this time that they realized, man, we can take, knock the walls of Jericho down just by giving a loud shout because God says it's going to work. And that's what God has for you. He lets us deal with these little things. In fact, it says in letter A in your notes that victory now increases our faith in what God can do in the future. Man, when I'm 73 now, I look and see what God did when we were 20. The reason I was just going over stuff he did in the last, just 10 years ago. She happened to, on her camera, for some reason, every so often it gets, shows her a picture from 10 years ago. Do you remember what a tough time we were having? I mean, that just happened this morning. And God brought us through it. Years ago, Star Wars, the number one movie, the Star Wars movie came out. My son's church has people that have Star Wars stuff. And every time a Star Wars movie comes out, you'd think they paid them to wear clothes that said Star Wars. I went to the first one. I was pretty impressed because Luke Skywalker and his comrades are attempting to destroy the Death Star. And one of the pilots tells Luke, Luke says, okay, I'll fly in there. And man, I'll nail them. And he said, no, 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 you can't do that. That is too difficult to all them. You can't get through all the canyons and stuff like that. He said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. He looked at it and says, well, this is just like Beggar's Canyon. When I was a kid, we had this little canyon by our house called Beggar's Canyon. Man, I flew my little old plane through that. I can do that. Sure enough, he did. What did he realize? He realized that God was preparing him as a kid to do what he needed to do now as an adult, and it worked. I can give you an example in the Bible. David is a kid that, well, you know, he's the youngest boy. What are we going to do with him? Just says, well, I'll tell you what, David, why don't you go out here and protect the sheep? And you find grass for them every day because it's a wilderness area. You've got to move them every day to find a place to eat because there's not much grass out there, but there's a lot of rocks. So what does David do? He gets a slingshot. He decides, let's make target practice out of this. They claim that they have found in, in books that David and some of the best slingshot shooters could split a hair at 30 foot, a human hair. That's how accurate they were with it. And they would swing that thing so hard that it would have the momentum of a Colt 45. That's why he says... 
when he comes to Goliath, he says, <laughs> and Saul says, you can't do this, you're just your boy. He says, what do you mean? I can't do this. He's a sitting duck. He's nine foot tall. He's got 200 pounds of armor on him. You ought to see me when the bear comes charging at me or a lion comes charging at me. God gives me the strength to destroy him with my slingshot. I can, if I can do that, I can certainly hit him in the only place he has, and that's his eyeballs. They're open. He's got this part here that's open. Piece of cake. See, God had, been protect, God had set David up to be king of Israel, and he had to do it in the background where nobody was, where he could practice against lions and bears. Now, I believe you and me, if a lion's coming at me, I'd be a lot more scared than some big old giant that I could dodge around. God was getting David ready. See, these small victories, these minor problems, they build our faith for the big challenges. We, God still has big challenges for us, and I don't know what it is, but man, because we got through the little ones, I know he can help me through the big one. Here's the third thing. Not only does it help you with your leadership, and not only does it teach you to build your faith. Number three, this helps us experience God's power in the present. We're living in a time we've never seen before, folks. It didn't surprise God. It surprised us. But it didn't surprise God. See, let's go back to the Jordan River. It did not present an insurmountable challenge. It wasn't really a crisis. It was an inconvenience. Joshua could have, I mean, he could have handled things on his own. He could have said, let's go up for about four miles upstream where it's shallow. We'll go across up there. Or let's just wait till harvest is over and the flood season will be over. Then we'll go across. No. He didn't do that. If God says go now, we're going to go now. And he, see, he, he knew that God was in control. And it reminds us, see, we don't have to handle life's minor problems all alone. God wants to help us even in the smallest details of our life, folks. And he's teaching us that, okay, if God can help me here, he can help me with this. One of the things I like about Pastor Rich and Shelley, they've been through it, folks. I know where he was an associate in Iowa. I know where he was, what the church was like when he went to Racine, Wisconsin. And guess what? He trusted God, he obeyed God, and those churches began to flourish. And I've been praying that God would find a pastor for a party so this place could fill up again and go to two services full again. But I knew I couldn't come back because, you know, it's kind of like Joshua following Moses. The poor guy that had to follow me, they're going, well, you know, Dwayne did it this way. Well, Dwayne wasn't doing it right. He'd been here for a quarter of a century. He was kind of stuck in a rut. It's time for somebody else to come in that knows how to do it. And finally, you got a pastor now that knows how to do it, Pastor Rich. And that's why when he called me and asked me to come, I thought, finally, God has a man who follows him, is not afraid of public opinion. He'll do what God wants him to do, whether whether it's flooding or not. He's going to obey God. He's done it in the past. He'll do it now. And I tell you what, I think you've got a bright future here, folks. I really do. Let's give him a hand for coming in the middle of COVID. I'm telling you. You couldn't have picked a worse time to come. You know, we're wearing masks. We all look weird. I can't believe it. About three months ago, I went to the bank. And bank manager was in there. His name was Ken. And he happened to be waiting on me. I said, Ken, if you'd have told me a year ago I'd be coming into your bank wearing a mask, you'd have said I was crazy. You'd probably have 
push the button and call the police. <laughs> well, it's time to come to church. But guess what? He obeyed God. And if you and I will obey God in the small details, in the small places, he's going to help us in the big places. Her name was Sue. Her husband was a physician. Somebody invited her to Mops. Mops is a mother of preschoolers. That we, did, we did a lot of stuff we used to do that now they don't, we don't do anymore because times change. It wasn't 30 years ago. And Sue began to realize God could help her. Life have meaning and purpose. So she opened her life up to God. God forgave her, changed her life, gave her a reason for living. And her reason was being a mother who would show her kids the way to live. And so she just, and she didn't know, she just helped, she asked God, I mean, one time her husband, John, who's a surgeon, overheard her packing the lunch for the school kids that day and said, oh, Lord, help this to be great. Let's just say our kids are Ben and Jill. Help this, help this food to be great for Ben and Jill to give them the strength they need for this day and help them to enjoy their lunch and enjoy school and have a great time today. You know, why are you doing praying for the lunch? She says, because that's an important time for kids. Don't you remember when you were in school and you had lunch? He said, well, that's just a small detail. God wants to help us in the big problems. She says, well, I find out God likes to help me in the little problems. So one day here, she, she's the one doing laundry. She's, she's saying, God, Ben's jeans, he's had the stain. Please help us to help the stain come out because these are his favorite jeans. And she puts it in the washing machine after she sprays something on it and the doctor just kind of, after about two years of this, he finally realized she's got something I don't. And he accepted Christ because she trusted God in the small inconveniences. So when the big problems came, she can handle it. And folks, God will allow things to happen just like that second song where I don't know why this is happening, but I know God's going to make a way. And I just need to say, God, I need your help here. And as you ask God for help in the small things, he's going to help you in the big things. So God allows problems to happen because he knows, well, it's at the very bottom of your page. Life's little problems make it possible for us to become better leaders, stronger Christians, and to walk closer to God. So for that reason, it's a good thing you and I have problems because God knows what he's doing. And someday when we get to heaven and we look at the other side, we'll say, wow, I didn't know, God. You really cared. And that's why you allowed this and this and this to happen so I could grow and trust you more. Let's talk to God. Dear God, I just say thank you for giving us an opportunity this morning to worship you through music, from listening to Joshua and seeing what he did, how he obeyed you. Help us to trust you. Help us to realize that what we're going through right now, and every one of us is going through something, because we're not in heaven yet, we're on earth, where it's not perfect, it's far from it. So help us to trust you and look to you to guide us through these areas of our life where we're uncertain. And help us to trust you to know what's best. And dear Lord, as we do that, other people are going to notice. As we do this, It'll only increase our faith. As we do this, it's going to help us to walk closer with you. So help us this week to walk closer with you. In your name we pray. Amen.